Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Richard Nason. And before we get to Richard, here's a few announcements. Our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there. You can see photos of our guests. You can see stories that some of the guests have written. You can see stories that I've written. You can see links to their social media and our social media and that's, of course, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. There are links to Apple Podcasts. There are links to Stitcher Radio. We're on iHeartRadio. We're pretty much everywhere you get your podcasts. So if you listen to us on one of those formats, and the odds are you probably do, give us a good rating. That helps more people find the show and boost our presence there. And that's a cool thing for you to do. If you think you'd be right for the show, or you think maybe you know somebody you'd be right for the show, or you want to write me, ask any questions, you can tell me nice things. You can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Okay, Richard Nason is an old friend of mine. He did the show about, boy, maybe back in 2014. We were in an acting class about 20 years ago, and we've stayed in touch ever since. Richard always liked to travel, and since he met his wife, they both traveled a lot. And they now have a daughter who's uh, 10 all of a sudden. Wow, time flies. But in the last few years, Richard did something that I've always thought about maybe doing one day, and that's to get his pilot's license, and he got one. I just took a test flight once and, you know, a little introductory thing, which was kind of cool. It was really cool, actually. But I didn't stick with it. It was in the heart of COVID, and I didn't want to be stuffed in a cockpit with another guy in a mask. And so anyway, I put it on the back burner. But Richard stuck with it through the whole pandemic and actually got his flying license. Then he went the next step further and bought a plane of his own. So we talk about that, the experience of buying a plane, learning how to fly, some crazy things that have happened to him up in the air. And for someone who loves traveling, owning your own plane is kind of a dream thing. And he went the whole nine and got one. I got a chance to see it. I got a chance to sit in it. It's really cool. And hopefully soon, he and I will go up in the air and I'll put my life in his hands, which when you know a guy for 20 years, you're a little nervous about, but I trust him. (laughs) Anyway, he's got a new YouTube channel where he shows uh, the building of the plane and all the process that took. He's got cool travel videos. You could follow him on Instagram at Richard in the Sky, and that's his YouTube channel as well. So check him out and enjoy my conversation with new pilot, Richard Nason. Richard Nason, good to see you. Hey, Mike. Good to see you too, man. This is a cool setup you have here. We are in your hangar. That's right. At Pacoima. Well, I don't, should I give the location? I don't got it. In Santa Ana. Yeah, we were. We started we're, over. We're, we're at Whiteman Airport. That's all right. <laughs> we are at the Whiteman Airport, staring no, at the no, painting don't, of, don't a, of a Native way. American on the wall. Stop it. <laughs> Whiteman Airport. Let it be known. Oh, man. Why has it got to be white? Why, yeah. Uh, Richard. Yeah. We are in the uh, airplane hangar because you have a plane now. I do, man. I built an airplane. That's incredible to me. Let's well, okay. Let's start from 
first of all, I mean, I'm, I explained in the uh, intro okay. how we know each other, and then right. you were a previous guest on this show, and the last time you were on, it was years ago, I believe you, it was after your honeymoon. Was it? Great wedding, by the way, because you went oh, to uh, your honeymoon, you went to Africa, I believe. No, we, the- we went to the Cook Islands for our honeymoon, okay. and uh, straight away, and then before we knew we were going to get into baby making, we went to Africa. And that was a, that was, I don't know, like eight or eight months after we got married. Right. And then we came back from Africa and I made a Simba. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that, you kind of inspired me to go to Africa because I went to, uh, Uganda and Rwanda after that. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We talked about gorilla tracking. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad you did that. And you've remarkable. been in a lot of places since. I mean, I, I have. keep track. I love following along on your travels, and you've done something that I had always talked about doing, which is get your pilot license. Okay. And you got it over over the uh, pandemic, didn't you? Yeah. Well, that, I started at the beginning of 2020, and you know, I flew like 17 hours of training, and then the pandemic really hit, so everything sort of shut down. So I stopped training for like three months, and then I picked it back up, and we were wearing masks in the plane, at that point, you know, instructor and, and myself, and we resumed that way. And, um, you know, I was going down two, three times a week to uh, Van Nuys Airport to train. And um, I ended up getting my pilot's license on a beautiful New Year's Day oh. 2021. Awesome. Yeah. Because I took one flight lesson, and it was also during the pandemic. Yeah. I and, think we, we talked about this. Yeah. And we met up during that time, I think during my training, where yeah. I was all... I was all fired up. Yeah, it was like the summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty much during, you know, it was pre-vaccine and all this I other stuff. I think we so. met up, like I had come right from like a flight lesson. We right. met at our mutual friend's house. I mean, I, I always enjoyed it, but you know, I, we went up in that little two seat, yeah. you know, cub plane and sure. then let me take the joystick a little bit. And uh, it was really, really cool. But something about being in that cockpit, you know, when they were telling us to socially distance and I was like, wow, this is like the ultimate crammed space we were in yeah and uh i was wearing a mask and my instructors kept falling off and just like you know maybe this is something i'll pick up again after after the pandemic yeah you stuck with it i gotta hand it to you i did well you know my i caught the bug so i did what exactly what you described in my 20s i took like two discovery flights my mom for my birthday got me like two different ones from two different flight schools And I just wasn't in the place in my life where, you know, I had the time or the money or the... We had to spend it on acting classes. (laughs) We had to spend it on acting (laughs) classes, yeah. And yeah, that was kind of, my focus was there. And I just didn't think, you know, you really have to commit when you get your pilot's license. It's it's, it's an amazing, if it's a hobby for you, it's it's an amazing one. But it's one that requires sort of a steady, proficient show up kind of thing. And so despite the pandemic, when, you know, I was determined to get back to it. And, um, and so that's what I did, you know, and we were doing it as safely as we could. And I, I managed to avoid getting, getting the, uh, the virus. How many hours a week are we talking? Like, so I was going out there Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, typically doing like two hour lessons. So you get up in the plane for like a 1.3, 1.4 hours. 
Yeah, you know, I learned there's just, all these different levels you can hit. Like first is like you get a sport license or something, right? And well, then, no, I went straight for my private license. Okay, and so that that's a that's like a I don't know what you'd call it a notch above. It gives you a little bit more flexibility with a, a pilot's license, and then subsequently I got another rating once I started building my airplane down in Torrance at the at Sling, and we can talk about that. I was like, well, if I'm down here, they have a pilot academy, so. I wanted to get my instrument rating simultaneously so that when my plane was done, I could kind of just move over into a plane, you know, my plane from a plane that's just like mine and have my instrument rating, which is a really great thing to have. Yeah. So I can see your plane from here. I haven't been in it yet. Yeah. I'm going to poke my head in there later, but we'll get you in there. We'll get you in there. Yeah. It's a four seater. It's a, so it's an experimental plane, which means it it was, Uh for me, it was a kit plane. There's a lot of misnomers about... <laughs> Ever since John Denver, I don't like... Exp- experimentals, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's a strange thing. People always bring up, you know, you know, the Kennedy thing, you know, are, mm-hmm. are you sure it's going to be safe? And airplanes are very safe, you know, in general. And um, I don't know the numbers or anything like that, but, you know, once you become proficient and you know how to properly pre-flight the plane that you're going to fly, it's... You know, it's an amazing thing. I mean, we're all going to die. Why not die, dude? Some fun, but I'm not going to die in my airplane. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it experimental? <clears throat> I mean, what, what makes okay, it experimental? Okay, so the difference between experimental and what's called certified aircraft. Certified is your Cessnas, you know, your Beechcraft, like your Bonanzas, Pipers. Those kinds of planes go through a certification process with the FAA. I don't want to get too much into the details because it's kind of boring, but it basically means that they've spent millions of dollars to have every little part certified by the FAA. And that just means it requires time and money. So a lot of current new certified airplanes are still working off of you know, 60, 70, 80 year old technology in their engines because, you know, it, it, it costs so much money to certify new stuff. And it's sort of like, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, we're selling a product that works great. And the difference with experimental is it doesn't go through quite as much scrutiny, but it does still have to, it has to qualify by a designated airworthiness representative when you're done with the plane. And they kind of check everything out and, you know, go through your, your build log and make sure, you know, you've done everything right and this and that. And then, you know, you go up and fly it. And that's what I did. (laughs) So give me your uh, scariest flying travel tale now. I mean, were you learning? I mean, okay. Yeah. I've got a good one right off the top of my head. So pretty soon, like a month after I got my pilot's license, I got checked out in this Piper at the flight school that I was um, going to because they weren't training as much in the Piper and it was more available. So I was like, you know, I could get into that plane on shorter notice than one of the trainers that are booked out like a week and a half or whatever. So I got trained, I checked out in this Piper and I was just going to go fly out to Riverside to take myself to lunch um, and get a little cross country time, cross country being over 50 nautical miles from your point of origin uh, from your departure airport. So Wanted to go do that, and I got up in the air, and I got on. I was fl- I had flight following with air traffic control, which means they kind of communicate with me along the way, and pass me along to other flight, you know, other ATCs um, until you 
till you get to your destination. You don't have to do, but it's it's advised. And anyway, I was on with them. And this Piper I was in was probably like a 68, something 1968 airplane. Had some new avionics, but mostly old stuff. <laughs> and I was, uh, my cruise altitude was like 5,500 feet going east to Riverside. And I get up to that altitude and it's a beautiful day. Stunning. I like, I grab my iPhone. I'm taking a couple of photos, maybe a selfie or two and uh, getting some stuff outside the plane. And I see a puff of smoke come out of the dash. And instantly my heart was just like, just sunk, right? That is the last thing you want to see is any kind of smoke when you're flying an airplane. So first thing I did was I contacted air traffic control. I immediately started turning around the airplane. I was going to go back to Van Nuys. I need to get this plane on the ground. That's what I have to do. And I tell ATC, I'm going, you know, I told him what happened. I see a puff of smoke. I need to go back to Van Nuys immediately. I didn't declare an emergency technically, but I think they knew from the sound of my voice what was going on. And, and ATC is amazing. They, they uh, you know, they accommodate whatever you need if, you know, you're in a bad situation. And as I start, I start descending quickly because I'm at 5,500 feet. The, the deck at Van Nuys is 800, like four feet. So I need to drop a lot of altitude and I'm only like six, seven miles. I'm a little bit north of Burbank Airport. Okay. And I'm a little northeast of it. So as I start descending, I start seeing a little bit more smoke come out the dash. And I'm just like, at this point, now my heart's racing. My voice is shaky, I'm sure, on the comms. Just just you know, putting myself in that position right now reminds me of it. And I'm looking at, I can see Van Nuys, but I'm just like, I don't want to wait that long. I need to get this plane on the ground. And, <laughs> and Burbank Airport is right below me. You know, Burbank's a busy, you know, class charlie airport they've got all big all the jets going in there and i tell atc i I need to land at burbank you know (laughs) it's a big southwest airlines flight and 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 you and your little yeah me and my little you know four seat (laughs) piper pa28 and so they're like okay and they hand me over to burbank tower i get on with burbank tower and you know i'm descending i know i think it's runway nine is what it is there. I say, you know, I'm swinging around for runway nine. Am I clear to land? And they say, well, we got a 737 that's right. (laughs) that's coming up (laughs) right, uh, right off your left wing here. We're going to send them around. We'll clear you for the runway. And sure enough, man, I see this, you know, 737. It was a private jet. It was unmarked. Wow. Um, But it just kind of blasted by me to the left. (laughs) And they gave me the runway and I, I landed that thing. Fire trucks came out, the whole thing. At this point, this, the smoke hadn't progressed. Um, so it didn't turn into a fire per se, but I wasn't waiting around. You know <laughs> what I mean? I was like a new pilot. No, yeah. And, but my training took over, you know, you, you figure out what you have to do. You got to get down safely. And I saw a fantastic option. I have an airport right below me. So I took it. Um, they gave me the runway and uh, we set it down. Fire trucks came over. And, uh, I'm like, you know, I turned the plane off, turn, turn, you know, all the, all the electric stuff off, got the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> what was the problem? Turns out that some wire was something or another in the some, back. It took them a while. Old wire. Yeah. And you know, it's hard to replicate a, a, an issue like that, but they couldn't make the plane airworthy until they figured out what it was. And it's not my plane. So, you know, the flight school owner who, who owned the plane or the person 
who he leases it from figured it out and it was some kind of wire going to some instrument that I, I, I don't even remember what it was. This is uh, two years ago now. Did they thank you for saving their property? No, but um, <laughs> the flight school owner came over in his Bonanza, picked me up at Burbank Airport and took me for lunch over in Camarillo. So that was pretty oh, cool. Oh, you got a lunch out of it. I got a lunch out of it. saving his aircraft. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was I was happy to be eating a, a delicious lunch over at Camarillo Airport. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So you're playing now. Yeah. How far can you go on one? So the range is about I'd say a thousand miles. Wow, um, that's pretty good. Yeah, it holds it holds fifty two gallons of mo gas, which is car gas. It could do that, or one hundred low lead, which is the common general aviation fuel. Is that more expensive than? Car gas? Eh, it's about the same. Okay. I mean, right now it's like it's it, all probably outrageous. right now it's a little <laughs> bit more than what cars are since car gas has come down a bit. But so so is Avgas. Well, you don't want to like take it the full thousand. I mean, right? You don't want to push no, it. Well, I mean, that, so where, that brings you... up the point that the real endurance and range of the airplane is your bladder. Okay, good yeah. point. So I've got a wife and daughter, and we recently flew to Sedona over Thanksgiving weekend, and you know when we were coming back. Both my daughter and I, we had to pee <laughs> starting at about, you know, 40 miles from the airport. So no more. No, no, no. It was like 40 minutes as I was, as I was figuring it out. So I was like, you know, to my daughter, we, we got to cork it for 40 minutes. Can we do it? Or otherwise, you know, I was going to maybe land at Apple Valley. I was sussing out other airports <laughs> to potentially land at if we really had to get down. But that's the thing. So another thing with experimental aircraft is, you know, with regard to peeing, I was going to say is that we have to qualify our plane. So I took it out to French Valley Airport in Murrieta, California. So they want you to fly your plane for 40 hours. That's part of the experimental. You have to sort of qualify it. So you fly it 40 hours in kind of a non-urban area. So you don't do it over like LA, right? 40 hours? 40 hours. Like in a circle? Just Basically, they give you like a big sort of rectangle with which you fly your airplane in. Well, not continuously, right? You have to no, land no, 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 no. You... Of course, of course. But you have to fly it forty hours <laughs> okay. before then, you can. I was going to say we're really testing your bladder then. before they, you know, they can set you free. <laughs> yeah, okay, is what I mean. It. And in that time, I brought up one of those like portable uh, porta johns, one of those little funnels with the bag. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. You know, your pee turns to gel, and I was like, well, I got to try it. You know, so I had the autopilot on. And it's not an easy, easy thing. I had to kind of swing around and get up on my knee so I could kind of face downhill, right? Because when you're sitting in the seat, you're sort of sitting back a little bit. And, oh, great. You know, I'm painting yeah. the mental picture. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. So you don't want to be peeing uphill. That's not <laughs> never a good thing, especially in your new and airplane. It and it worked, man. So, you know, in a pinch, I could do it, but I don't think my wife and daughter could. So if I was, you know, with a buddy and we were like, yeah, let's, you know, let's see how far we can take this thing or let's make it all the way to, you know, wherever our point B is, um, we could do it. Do you keep emergency diapers on board just in case? You know, we thought about that. I was like, you know, I thought with my daughter, you know, my wife was like, you know, you could wear one of those diapers. She was like, I would do it. I have to go so badly. <laughs> She's 10. <laughs> She's 10. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. What was the dream? I mean, when you got it, I mean, is there like a dream trip you wanted to take and how far you could take it? Well, the whole thing 
was once, you know, the, the whole end game for me was kind of plane ownership, right? I knew like if I got into it as a hobby, you know, renting planes and, you know, I just knew I probably wouldn't do it, you know, and it's, it's expensive. Not that it's not expensive to build and buy your plane, but <laughs> yeah. it's, I knew that I could. And, and when I, I figured out that I wanted this particular airplane, you know, it was always just about like the freedom. Like people would always ask me that, you know, like, where do you want to go? And this and that. And, you know, so... I finished the plane like four months ago and then like two months later. So I qualified the plane. I got the 40 hours and was just kind of flying around. I I took my wife and daughter. We went up to like Harris Ranch for lunch. We landed at that little (laughs) airstrip there next to the five in central California. Okay, yeah, yeah, You've driven by it. But the big one, so we flew to Sedona, as I mentioned, over Thanksgiving weekend. And, you know, to just like pack our bags and get my wife and daughter in the plane and, you know, set out on this journey. I mean, that was kind of it for me. You know, I was just like, this is what I want to be doing. This is it. It it almost was sort of like the, the, the destination for me is almost inconsequential, (laughs) you know, like I just want to be in the plane and going somewhere with my wife and daughter and we're just out there doing it, you know, and I'm up in the sky and I'm flying them, you know, and I'm dad and I'm husband and we're, (laughs) and we're off in our plane and we're doing it. And so when we, you know, we got to Sedona and that airport in particular, and any general aviation pilot who's been there will tell you is stunning. It's just amazing. And, um, you know, the Arizona desert and all the rock formations and the whole thing. And the, the airport itself is up on this Mesa. So it just kind of stands out when you see it in sight, it's just like, Whoa, how cool. (laughs) And then the very next day, so we landed, we went out and had dinner. We checked into our hotel, all that. We flew up the corridors over the Grand Canyon. And so, you know, I flight briefed those and you have to do like a special flight rules corridors through there. But I, you know, briefed it. It was really simple, but that was another thing. So we're up in the plane and it's only like, you know, 40 minutes from Sedona to go Mm -hmm. up there in the air. And now all of a sudden the very next day, we're like, Oh, we're over the grand Canyon. I'm like flying my airplane over the grand Canyon. And we're just looking, we're like looking at each other and we're looking out the window and we're just like, what's going on? (laughs) What the hell is going on right now? We're, this is, we're over the Grand Canyon. We're flying our plane over the Grand Canyon, you know? And then, then we went for a hike later that day when we came back and, uh, it was beautiful and we spent a nice night. And the next day we had a leisurely brunch, flew back here and I landed the plane and we were taxing back to this hangar. And I was just like, that's it. I did the thing. You know, it all, it all was really about that. So, I mean, the rest of it, and I've just begun, right? So the rest of it's gravy for me. It's all, it's all cherry on top. Were they like a little nervous on their first trip with you up in the air? A little bit. And I was (laughs) too. Why is dad, wait a minute, we're nervous enough with him driving. Exactly. the car. Exactly. (laughs) But they knew how diligent I was about my training. And I'll say this, my, my barometer for safety was always them. So I, when I, whether I was flying by myself or I knew that I was going to be flying with them, it was always about me getting back home and me being able to fly them safely and comfortably. And so the first time I did take them up, um, you know, on our own in my plane, when we went out to, uh, Harris ranch, you know, I was a little nervous driving to the airport 
And uh, I wanted to just make sure I was dotting all my I's and crossing all my <laughs> T's and make sure I wasn't too, you know, overly distracted trying to accommodate them. You know, I had to properly pre-flight the plane and flight plan and do all that stuff. And But then, you know, once we get in the air, that's the thing about the airplane is once you get in, everything just kind of, all my training takes over. I know what I'm doing. And they felt comfortable by my comfort and, you know, me communicating with ATC and knowing exactly what to do and which made me feel really good. And I was like, <laughs> how are you guys feeling? And they're like, awesome. And I was like, yeah, we're doing it. You know, so once, you know, they had that experience, I think that, you know, my wife got the bug, right? And now she's like looking at places on the maps where we're going to go and, <laughs> or where we could go have lunch. And it's just amazing to me that we have that opportunity now to just come to the hangar on a whim if the weather's nice or... Would you take it out of the country, like to Mexico or something? Or is that Well, harder? that requires some different stuff. You have to get what's called a radio license. Um, and I've, I've just heard, you know, there's ways to do it. And there's plenty of resources online that could, you know, tell me how to fly down to airports in Baja. But I know that there's just quite a bit of red tape you have to hop yeah. through. And same thing with Canada, because I have in-laws up in Seattle and my brother-in-law is always like, you know, he wants to go get dim sum in, in Vancouver. He's <laughs> right. like, can we fly to Vancouver? Can we fly to Vancouver every time I see him? Can we, are we going to be able to fly to Vancouver? And I want to be able to do that. So I just have to figure it out. Now, flight time to go from here in LA to, say, San Francisco, how long does it take you? Mm, a little less than two hours. Okay. Yeah. What about to, like, Palm Springs? Well, I'll say this. My, my plane comfortably cruises, I, you know... I true out around 145 knots. You know, that's just a, a regular cruise. Now, if I'm at higher altitude, we've gone up to, um, in another friend of mine, similar airplane, another Sling TSI. We were at 16,500 wearing oxygen. And at that thinner altitude, you can, you know, fly faster through the air. So we trued out at like 184 knots. So okay. we we're boogieing, you know. So that's about as high you can go? Well, the ceiling on this plane is 18,000. And... Um, it's not pressurized, right? I mean, it's you, not pressurized, so but I do have a four-place oxygen system in this plane. Okay. That's another beautiful thing. Like, I just loaded this thing with technology. So I've got like, you know, glass Garmin panels. I've got <laughs> an amazing autopilot. I've got, you know, uh, a, a backup that's you know a Garmin digital, you know, G five, and it's uh, how's the food? I mean, because you know, the like, food, I you like know, a nice the services uh, up there. Are really nice, yeah. <laughs> What we don't want to do, though, in a non-pressurized plane is bring our carbonated beverages up with us. Yeah, we don't want to do that, Mike. Then we'll uh, we'll be wearing them. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, let's go. Well, congratulations, anyway. Thanks, man. Hopefully, one day I'll get to go in it. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll trust you. In fact, we'll do do a show on my YouTube channel. Okay. And uh, at Richard in the Sky. Follow me on Instagram. You know how many times I was jealous of you when I'm sitting in traffic? driving to a gig in Palm Springs that takes four hours in, in midday traffic. I'm going, man, I could fly this. We could yeah. be here in like 45 minutes. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you ask me how long it takes to get particular destinations, I just fly pinned because my wife was like, how long will it take us to go to Vegas? You know, we like to go there and eat the food. We don't do that much gambling yeah. and stuff, but you know, we go have fun there. Um, do you go to that little airport like North Vegas? Well, I, I could I could go there. there. I haven't flown there yet, but I would probably go to Henderson, which is just right south yeah. of of you know Vegas. And that one's a little easier to get into because busy airspace there over the McCarran oh, yeah. Airport, and that's like 
probably an hour and a half. Okay. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. No traffic. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's nice. Okay. Well, now that, uh, well, congratulations on the plane and, um, no, that's, it looks awesome. I'm very jealous. Very jealous on that. Well, we'll get you up, man. It's My plane's your plane. We'll get you up in it, and we'll have some fun. Well, thanks. Well, let's talk about some recent trips you've taken, because okay. I saw some awesome photos, and one of them was my dream destination. You guys went to Galapagos. Oh, yeah. Trips not in the airplane. Yeah. yeah. We went to the Galapagos, but I should back up, because we did I tell you, we went, we went to Antarctica right before the pandemic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because so did I. I was there oh, that's on a, right. working on a ship. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about that. I think, yeah, I was, I was getting briefed by you <laughs> yeah. about it because you went before me. Were you in a cruise ship? You were... We did it with the uh, National Geographic. Right. So okay. we were on Which the National, Ge- boat. National Geographic Explorer. Yeah, they hold like 150 passengers. Perfect. Yeah. So, you know, you fly down to Argentina and then they fly you down to the bottom there at yeah. Ushuaia. Ushuaia, yeah. Yeah. And then we, uh, we get on the boat, go across the Drake Passage and do the uh, whole thing. And that how was, was it for you? I got the uh, Drake Lake going down, oh, so and I got the Drake Shake coming back. That was exactly for us. Yeah. We had the the Drake, what do we call it? Drake Lake? Yeah, yeah. and then they called Calm. it the Drake Quake. Yeah. Because <laughs> for us, yeah, we were at dinner coming back. You know, we are at dinner on the boat, and it was it was, it was was moving. All the plates, like, slid into the person across from me, oh, sitting yeah. from the table. Everything, <laughs> the tablecloth, the plates, the glasses, all slid right into their laps. So we were like, okay, we'll take dinner. I was in, on stage, and there was, the was a piano behind me that was like... Was it moving? On, it was moving back oh, and man. forth. Finally, I had to sit down on a stool because I was just I couldn't stand up straight. Yeah. I didn't you know, ever get seasickness to its limit, but that night, I was, I was feeling a little woozy. How cool are the lot. penguins now? You know, I mean, especially because my daughter was seven at the time. <sighs> Great. You know, and it was the best. It was just so cool. And just endlessly beautiful right there's nothing like it and there's you can't look at people people come back with these amazing photos and you know like any great trip you just have to experience it it's really it's one of those bucket list deals and yeah so and that brings us to galapagos that was another bucket list trip and and uh was that National Geographic as well? You know, we, we were trying to squeeze ourselves into a particular window last summer to do it, and they were kind of, the boat was kind of full, and sometimes we, we don't really plan that well, so we try to just <laughs> see what works out on shorter notice. And we found this other company, Hurdy Gruten. Hurdy Gruten. Hurdy Gruten. It's a Norwegian company. Mm-hmm. And I think they, they either they lease boats and they do different trips like that around the world. And similar, they have naturalists on board, and it was a, a similar kind of protocol as, yeah. as it was with National Geographic. And, um, was it a week? Yeah, it was, it was like, yeah, it was like six days or seven days awesome. on the boat going to, you know, same thing, different islands every day and all that. And you can debark, disembark and walk on the uh-huh. island? Yeah. So they would take us, you know, all, all over the islands and, um, show us just all the insane wildlife that's been there for, you know, thousands of years. And See, the for- fortunately, and- you know, it's protected again, Yeah, you know, so they've got, you know, all the tortoises and I think back in the 1800s, you know, when people were landing there, they were eating them and taking them and yeah. doing all that stuff. Yeah. And now that those animals are protected again, all the birds and the iguanas and the tortoises and just insane wildlife, you know, that, that is all, you know, indigenous to that area. It was so cool. If you had to do it over again and you had advice to people like, say, me, yeah. who have never been, what advice would you give? For people booking a trip to 
You had to fly into Quito, I guess, and then... Yeah, we flew to Quito, and then from Quito, yeah, you you fly over to the Galapagos, and then when we flew back, for some reason, they fly us back to uh, Guayaquil. Guayaquil, yeah. Yeah, which is south of Quito by, I don't know, an hour flight or something like mm-hmm. that. We didn't end up staying there. We, we went back to Quito. Oh, and then we ended up going up to this rainforest lodge called Mashpi Lodge. Unreal. Just... Stunning. One of our favorite parts of the trip, because we're up in like the cloud forest. Oh, wow. That's and great. we're going on hikes every day and the waterfalls and the <laughs> lush green and all all that, you know, crazy, beautiful frogs and birds. And <laughs> oh, man, it was stunning. It was one of our favorite spots. And it's just a really beautiful lodge. So they did a great job there. Mashpali? Mashpi. M-A-S-H-P-I. Mashpi okay. Lodge. Um, but I don't know. I would just say, yeah, get on one of those boats. And, you know, cause they all kind of, I think their, their MO is basically the same. They're going to take you around the islands and, sure. you know, you want to, you know, just find an outfit that, that seems like it, it's reputable. Is there snorkeling involved or? Oh yeah. So diving? part of the excursions, you know, you get off the boat, you go to the beaches and you can kayak and you can snorkel. So the one thing that's a bummer because I'm a scuba diver is that if you really want to do one or the other, you can't do both. So if you're doing like the family excursion trip. Oh. Not yeah, on a dive boat. They don't do scuba diving. So I didn't get to scuba dive there. So I may have to find an excuse to go back. I'll go back. I hear you got a plane. We can make it. We can do this. <laughs> yeah, we can do it. We can take our little piss bottles and we're going we're gonna to go for it, man. Stop in Mexico. Yeah, we'll stop, stop in, in Costa Rico. We'll stop in Panama. God, wouldn't that be something? You could do it. I don't think I could make it across from mainland South America off the coast of Ecuador to... I don't think I could, I could, my plane could make it. There's one way to find out. There's one way to find out. <laughs> we'll do it, man. Although my plane does have a parachute. So the four, plane do they itself. Have four of them? No, 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 no. Oh, the, the plane, plane itself. I have, you know. That's what I was going to ask like you. A ballistic Are there parachute. parachutes for people in there or? In my plane? Yeah. No. Um, but if you fly, if you fly a, an aerobatic plane, you're required to wear a parachute. Right. But um, not a regular general aviation plane, but my plane unlike a lot of other planes has its own parachute so if i was in you know mountainous area oh yeah and that's I great didn't have a place to land or if i was at night and can't see you know the ground you know i could use the chute but otherwise you want to try to glide it and, and <laughs> land in your safest spot the chute's obviously a last resort does my seat turn into a flotation device uh no but we, i've got like the under seat airplane yellow <laughs> flotation pull the string Fill it up, the whole thing. Yeah. So if I ever fly over water, like when we go to Catalina, if I take you there, we'll bring our uh, Catalina would be safety jackets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fun. Catalina's great. That'd be great. Yeah. You know, one of the fun things about general aviation is a lot of these municipal airports. A lot of people don't know that aren't in this world is that a lot of these airports have these sort of niche restaurants, and so they become sort of these destinations for pilots to just like. You know, we call it the $100 hamburger. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> the hamburger's five bucks, but, you know, the gas and flying your plane. Yeah, but, the one um, at the Santa Monica airport used to be pretty well known. There was a sushi place there that for years. You know, I've never landed at Santa Monica because I don't know when they started doing this, but they have a landing fee now. Oh. And so it sort of deters, you know, people from just like going there and practicing. Or right. That's where that I took my lesson was there. Oh, okay. But, you know. If I was to go there and land, they have a landing fee, so... Oh, jerks. Yeah, I skip that. <laughs> go to other airports. But this isn't the one. Is it Van Nuys where all the stars have their jets? Because you can't have jets, I guess, in Santa Monica. 
Um, but I think they take them all, like Travolta and those guys have it all up in Van Nuys. To my knowledge, there's a lot of, of private jets out in Van Nuys, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the spot. And so I learned in Van Nuys, and it's busy class delta airspace, and so... I thought, what better place to learn than in Los Angeles busy airspace? Because if you can, yeah. if you can navigate your way in that, you know, you're going to be fine in Iowa. Do you think your daughter, who's ten now? I mean, kids only know that their reality growing up. You know, I didn't know any better. Right. You know, the world was as big as my town. You know what I mean? Yeah, Just yeah. Like, does she have some kind of appreciation? You think that? You know, that this isn't normal, the, the stuff that... that the airplane seen, or the travel? No, the travel, the seeing, oh, and the airplane, but seeing Antarctica and the Galapagos that... Well, we I make mean, sure she knows that she is a very lucky kid. Okay. You <laughs> know, yeah, we, and, and for us, we take none of it for granted either. I mean, I, you know, all the travels and opportunities that I've had, I'd never take for granted. I always allow it to, you know, inform me as a person. And I had the opportunity to travel as a young kid too, and just know in retrospect, right, you know, like you say, we're only, you know, we only have the lens of the town that we're in. But as you grow older, you know, your objectivity gets greater and you, you know, you put on a wider lens and you see like, wow, that really did, you know, help me understand people better and understand how different parts of the world work. And, you know, America is yeah. not the only That's true. way. Yeah. Right. So I think she gets that and she's, she's gets excited about traveling as well. Um, and we love it. We love to expose her to the different kinds of things. You know, we've been to taking her to Cuba and Hawaii a few times. Obviously she's been down to South America now with us and, uh, Antarctica. And my worry, my worry is that like, you'll go there and you'll be in this amazing place like the Galapagos or Antarctica and she'll just be like, "I right, can we go to Disneyland?" That's my big fear. <laughs> that's, right. That's what I'd be like. Oh, well, yeah, to a ten-year-old, I guess maybe Disneyland would be kind of cool. You know, I suspect when she's a teenager, and she'll you appreciate know, it. Hopefully, yeah. Well, no, I, th- I think it, it sure. will be what you're describing. She'll probably be like, oh, "I'd rather Facetime like, my friends, be Facetiming my friends." Yeah. You know, but maybe not. Who knows? She's a pretty remarkable kid, and I know. we're just crazy about her. So you know. I had a friend just the other day whose daughter is exactly six years to the day older than mine. And he's like, okay, well, just wait till she's 13. Yeah. There'll <laughs> so. be that seven, eight year window where she hates you guys. You know, <laughs> right. and they're teenagers. You know, they're just, but you my know, niece the, is kind of in that. The space other thing now. that I think yeah. works for us is that she's an only child. Yeah. So we're like it for her at home. You know, she doesn't have like the luxury of seeing a, a sibling screw up. And, or, or bossing around a, a sibling. Yeah. She knows. And, you know, communication is so important to us. And so I think we've laid a pretty decent foundation for her to talk to us about stuff. At least I hope so. When, you know, stuff gets bigger for her and her world, she knows she's got a healthy place to come to. When did you go to Cuba? We went to Cuba in 2016. Okay. We were there. We went down there for a week. Back when... So Obama was president, so we were able to get a direct flight from yeah. LAX to Havana. Okay, I didn't do that. I had, I went around 2010, and I okay. had to sneak in through Cancun. Yeah, and you had to go through Cancun. Mexico. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we did it on the up and up, and we had the proper visa. We did a people-to-people excursion, and um, yeah, we flew on Alaska Airlines. I used miles, and we flew to Cuba. <laughs> That's it was great. insane, yeah. And we stayed with a family there called a Casa Particular. Yeah, I stayed in one of those yeah. in Havana. That's what we did. And um, my God. Were you just in Havana or did you go outside? No, we went, um, we went south down to 
Cienfuego and that area on the southern part of the island, and we went west. What's yeah. the mountainous area where they grow the tobacco over on the west? I'm, I can't uh, remember. No, I can't but, remember. Yeah, I, uh, I, only, we I was only well. in like Havana for three days. Okay. But I just found it one of the more fascinating places I've been. It was like so much of the place was like, okay, in 1959 time just stopped. Just, the, yeah. The architecture, the buildings, warp, right. and the, the cars, and all this other stuff. And I just remember that, you know, the people were poor, but they did the best with what they had, and there was a great spirit about them. Beautiful then. spirit about them. Yeah. That's what really impacted us, too, is everybody was just, like, really opened their hearts to us. And we got into some really fun, kind of candid conversations with, you know, different, with locals that had different opinions about the government well, and stuff. Oh, sure, and yeah, of course. It was, that was really fascinating to me. Yeah, and I thought the two forms of money really interesting like there was like a convertible peso right which was what we got you know which is uh-huh. one to one to the u.s dollar yep then there's like the locals peso yeah which was like food stamps you know they just like it was like nothing and it was you know and, and you'll f- there was like two prices for everything yeah there's the local price where they pay in that current their currency yeah and then sort of the the tourist currency and you're acutely aware that like okay i'm in a nice restaurant in havana but none of the local people could afford to eat here you know what I mean? It's just like well, and if they did, they would just have a different price for them. Did you eat in the the house? The you stayed? Oh in? yeah, yeah. We ate with them yeah, for great. breakfast, which was great. It was this older couple. Uh, this guy I know that's gone down there numerous times turned me on to them, and uh, they were amazing. They were amazing. <laughs> we were on like the sixteenth floor of their apartment building, and they had this like huge like three bedroom apartment with a beautiful view. And uh, so we would eat with them and, you know, not every meal, but every breakfast. Yeah. Does your daughter have like a dream destination that she, does she point at the map and go, or see something on TV and go, oh, I want to see that. Whether it's like the pyramids or something. Do you guys go to Egypt? We, you know, we haven't been over to Europe or Africa yet with her. Does she see like yeah. a Mulan or something and go, we come on. <laughs> you know, the one thing about her is that she doesn't really have like the, the travel lust when we're like, Hey, guess what we're doing? You know, she's, she gets stoked, but she's not the one putting her finger on the map uh-huh. as much yet. I think well, she's young. Um, she's, she's young. She I mean, know. she's 10, you know, I wouldn't have known and, what and, anything was. And at this point we've, you know, given her, we've put our finger on the map of so many great places. I think she just <laughs> sort of leaves it to us. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. I think, you know, when my parents were even just driving me around the country, I didn't know the impact of that until I was later in life, you know, and then traveling just became a normal kind of thing to me, and it was accepted. And then, you know, I went to school with people who, in the Midwest, who hadn't never seen an ocean. Yeah. You know, and I didn't realize just driving to Florida how lucky I was <laughs> just to have seen an ocean and been in one. Exactly. Yeah. I lived in Spain for a year when I was like six years old and, you know, coming back here, I had just, it it just informed me so much, you know, living in a culture Mm -hmm. that spoke a different language and ate different foods. And I came back here and we moved back into our, the same house that we lived to, lived in before we left. But I was just a different person, right? And at six years old, I was different than the kid that left a year prior. And I had... I don't know. It just it gives you tools. Yeah, it gives you insight. Have your yeah. your wife's family is Chinese, right? Yes. Have you guys been back to the to China? She you- went to China like the summer right before we met in two thousand eight. Um, she didn't grow up in China. She grew up in South Korea, 
in uh, Busan, the southern city there in in South Korea. Um, so she's Chinese, you know, by birth culturally. Right. Her family is, but then she grew up in Korea, so Korea was her second language. And she has a lot and of friends there. And then she moved to the states at fifteen. Yeah, she went back a couple years ago um, with her sister, and they just had a ball. They went back to their Have old you been? town. Well, not with them, but I taught English in Korea. I think we talked about oh, yeah, this yeah, the last yeah, time right, I was on right. your podcast. Um, yeah, right when I was out of college, I went <laughs> over to Korea and taught English and, and traveled through Southeast Asia. That's yeah. nice. That was fun. That was amazing. Yeah. So was, <laughs> so when we went on our first date and you know, I was impressing her with all my knowledge of, of Korea, of things Korea and Korean <laughs> foods, she was like, yeah. Hey. I like this, this guy, guy gets it. Yeah, this guy gets it. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it. Your wedding, the uh, the the Chinese dancers and the dragon. Yeah, that was great. There's actually a lion. Lion. I thought it was a dragon. Yeah, they they do they do lions. Dragons like are like bigger and like parades. Like if you go okay. down to like the. Chinese. I didn't mean to stereotype. It's okay, man. It's it's a commonness. <laughs> we go full stereotype. Yeah, the big egg roll that they carried it. <laughs> That, that always impressed me. Oh, the giant egg roll. The, oh, that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. No, it, that was it was that was the best day of my life for sure. We had that was such, a great wedding. It was a great wedding. Yeah, it was really really full of a lot of love and good vibes. Do you have a trip planned now? Do you have somewhere you're going? Um, what do we have in the cooker? No, I guess not. We need you get a whim. You, let's have well, let's that's have dinner the thing. in we Catalina. Just, well, we were we were gonna go fly up to Monterey. Uh, we're in G- we're in January now, and we were gonna fly in December over the break while my daughter was out of school. And then the monsoon Spent a couple of days. came. Yeah, and then it was just like <laughs> inclement and and, and and crappy. But um, Christmas Day here in LA was like eighty degrees and beautiful. Yeah, I was out of town. So I we were going. We, so we flew up. So we took the plane up, and I took him out for like a sunset flight. Um, over Malibu, we watched the sun go down in the plane. Beautiful. And then I flew back east around downtown as the lights, you know, were coming on, and it was stunning. That was another one of those like, what is going yeah. on? Like it, it's not lost on me every time I get up in the airplane. Just like, what the hell is going on here? Well, how does that work though? If you, yeah. if you want to say, okay, let's pick a destination. Let's say out of, let's just pick Palm Springs or okay. something or with that. You you radio the airport there and say we're coming. And do you have, can, can you park it for a certain time or yeah, do you so have to leave by dark or how does that work? The first thing I'll do is flight plan it. And, and that includes, you know, figuring out the, the weather of the airport we're taking off from and then the weather along the way and the weather at our destination. What's it going to be like when you get there? Um, we have tons of resources to, to, you know, check all that stuff. So, you know, I brief the weather and then, you know, in theory, we could just come out here, you know, get up in the plane and fly there. I don't have to tell anybody. You know, I don't even have to talk to anybody unless I'm going through like particular airspaces. But I like to get what we call flight following. And um, so I am talking to people along the way and they're helping me with traffic advisories and things like that. And they like it when you're communicating with them too mm-hmm. so that they know what the hell you're doing. Um, but yeah, then I just go and then they hand me off. I say, you know, I'm getting flight following to Palm Springs and at this altitude and I flap to that altitude and I tell them basically the route I'm kind of going and and uh, get to Palm Springs. They hand me off to the tower there 
And I say, you know, I, I, so you get what's called the ATIS. You have to check like the weather and airport information when you're in the air on a particular, you know, uh, frequency. All airports have them. And uh, you check the weather there and then they give you like a code, you know, it's a alphabet letter. So they'll say you have information Bravo. And that gives you like the winds on the runway and right. different notams that you need to have and things like that. Notices to airmen. And But is it like a parking lot? I mean, yeah. So, <laughs> so typically you... at, at transient airports, they'll have like, I mean, uh, at uh, municipal airports, they'll have transient parking. So, which basically means like you park there. Right? Okay. You're having lunch there, and there's a spot for your plane to park. Um, or you could go to, like, there's nice FBOs at bigger airports like that. You know, you can go to, like, you know, I don't know, Atlantic. or There's different big sort of corporate fixed-based operators at various airports, and they have, like, nice facilities for right. pilots. And, you know, if you fill up gas there, you can maybe not have to pay a landing fee or... You know, they have like refreshments and some of them have like niche little like ice cream cones or right. fun but stuff like that. Do they like you pay like the parking by the hour? by the So there'll be like an overnight fee if you okay. stay overnight. You well, know. the other thing is if is there a uh, time frame that they go, hey, look, we, we shut down this airport at 11 p.m. or something and you well, can't fly. There's no flights in or out. Well, they don't really say that. But if like a, a tower closes, you just go on to, you know the same frequency and, and you just employ the procedures that you would like an untowered airport. Okay. Um, so you begin, you communicate with other pilots in the air and pilots on the ground. You let them know your intentions, where you're flying in from. And there's procedures and ways that, that okay. we do that. So, so I was wondering knows. like in, like in Santa Monica, I know that they, they yeah, the tower closes at like, yeah, you know, like seven or, or eight o'clock yeah, yeah, at night. Like right. here at Whiteman, it closes at eight o'clock at night. So if you're landing or taking off after that time, um, you just self-announce, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, you self-announce and you talk to anybody that's on that frequency and you let them know and then... Oh, okay. So somebody get, doesn't have to be in the tower when you... That's right. Take off. Okay, that's I thought right. somebody yeah. had to they be there. They don't have to be, right? Okay. Yeah, I'm learning so much. You're learning stuff, man. It's amazing. Yeah. We'll get you up there and you'll learn more. Tell me about the YouTube channel and uh, So yeah, just I just started... So I documented the build process of the plane and I kind of cut it into like six episodes and that is on youtube.com slash at Richard and in the sky. And then I have an Instagram also at Richard in the sky. And so we documented the build and I just posted the second episode. I'm trying to, I'm going to try to release one per week. And that's been a lot of fun, you know, <laughs> starting that channel. And I'm excited about that. And it's, it's picked up traction and I think it'll continue to do well. So I'm really excited about it. It's kind of a fun project to kind of dive into um and then so the plane's built now but you know i'm releasing sort of episodes the next one will be like you know the first one was the kit arriving and then it was like taking inventory and talking to another pilot that was ahead of me in the process and the next episode will be like you know we hung the engine and we're <laughs> a bit further along in the process and then we're putting the avionics in um, and we have those guys out doing that. And then the first run up of the plane, now the plane's all put together. So we're firing it up for the first time. That's the fifth episode. And then the sixth and final of that sort of series is the first flight. How long did it all take to build? Like about six and a half months, six and a half months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever get the urge to like, like in a car, like customize it with a paint job, like flames on the side? <laughs> well, I had the discretion to do whatever I wanted with the 
plane. You know, I picked how I wanted things to be on the panel. I picked the, you know, how the design of the seats, right? I World picked War the paint. Pin up on the I picked the paint color, right? <laughs> I ended up going with a pretty simple scheme, but I did hire a company um, that does like plain schemes. And I just realized it just seemed too busy for me. I wanted something simple. And when I found like this really cool sort of color, I was like, well, I'm just going to do it one solid color. That's and, cool. And thanks, man. Yeah. I've gotten a lot of compliments on it. I'm really pleased with it. No, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty unique. So the channel at Richard in the Sky, once you know we do the first flight episode, is going to evolve into... I think taking guests up in the plane, Ooh, and so go I've got on. I've got cameras in the plane, <laughs> um, and you know I can kind of interview and talk to people. Like for example, I'll take you up, and you know I'll talk about your experience in the plane. We can talk about your experiences. You know we can shift gears and talk about stand up comedy and just kind of get <laughs> to know you and interview you. But we're in. An airplane, and we're flying somewhere, maybe for lunch, or we're just going out to see the sunset, or something like that. And that will be the show. It's great. I can talk about my experience wearing the diaper. Yeah, you can talk about it right now. I'm right now. I'm literally peeing myself, screaming. I'm literally peeing. Mike's actually peeing in the airplane right now. Help. Help. <laughs> Mike, don't don't go for the handle. Stay video. in the plane, Mike. That's good. Video. Stay in the yeah yeah. The the title will be my friend tries to jump out the plane. The what. We get tons of hits. What has learning to fly, how has it changed you as a passenger, say, on a regular jet now, or or just looking at, at aviation in general? Mm. I mean, what have you, do you have a, a new appreciation for it, or did you demystify it? Oh, yeah. Well, it doesn't really change how I fly commercially or my perception of it. Obviously, I'm just sort of interested in it more. Like, I'll, I'll use, like, the apps to track our flight and stuff like that. But are you on the ready to take over if need be? I'm that guy, yeah. I, I go <laughs> Airplane in, style. I'll head up to the cockpit and say, fellas, <laughs> I have my general aviation yeah. pilot's license. Uh, if you need any help, I'll be back in 32D. <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, let the flight attendants know I'm here for you. Yeah. Um, you have an insurance policy back in 32D I think near the just toilet. In general, you know, the first time I took off when I was like earnest about getting my pilot's license, I was just, it wasn't like a, oh, this is so cool. Like, you know, it was sort of like a, I'm supposed to be doing this. Like, it just <laughs> felt right, you know? I was like, yeah this is something that I'm supposed to be doing. And that's why like the pandemic didn't deter me. I was like itching to get back to it. So when we could safely, you know, I just knew I wanted to get back in the plane. And there's something just so beautiful and magical about being able to do that, you know? And now that I have a plane and I can just come down here it's not lost on me how fortunate I am to be able to do that. And so, you know, and that's why, like, we, we get up in the air and I've got my wife and daughter with me. And I'm just like goofball dad, right? <laughs> and now all of a sudden I have this skill um, to be able to do this thing. And it's just like we're looking at each other and I'm like, yeah, I'm flying it. And they're like, yeah, this is crazy. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> me, too. me too. Me too. This is all nuts. Um, so that's where the real appreciation comes from. Just sort of the gratitude that I have the ability to do this beautiful and amazing thing. That's beautiful. Thanks, and 
You don't have to go through security. Yeah, we don't have to go through You don't have to take your security. shoes off. And nope. <laughs> that's great. No, we keep our shoes on. and Get felt up by a TSA agent. <laughs> that's all That's optional. private. But that's yeah. optional. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I appreciate you doing this, man. Thank you so Mike, much. Mike, it's a pleasure, man. You're one of my great friends. And, no, it's great uh, to see Having you. an opportunity to hang out with you and, and shoot the breeze. I can't wait to go up stuff. in the... Take a yeah, flight. man, that's gonna be great. I can't wait to have you up in it. That'd be cool. So it's Richard in the sky. Yeah, Richard in the sky. Awesome on, on all the things. Richard Nason, everybody. Thanks, man. Thanks.